<laughs> you think I'm not going to put that in the podcast? Welcome to the Deuce Rethread. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Jason Bailey, and we just watched episode five. <clears throat> what kind of bad is the title of the episode, by many, the way? Many, many kinds, many of, kinds bad of bad is the answer to that question. How you doing, Yeah, buddy? I'm okay. How are you? <laughs> I'm, this was heavy. Yeah. This was heavy yeah. mid-season television. Yeah, it And sure if you was. didn't watch the first four episodes, if you just think you're going to dip in... No. No, this is going to make no sense and not going to mean anything to you. Meanwhile, I've, I'm having palpitations right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We should mention, uh, so, uh, or should we? Uh, you'll cut it out if not. Uh, in the interest of, as we did on the first episode, the sort of nuts and bolts of, of, of how we're recording, if anybody gives a shit, mm-hmm. is that we, we are now on the second session, uh, second marathon viewing and recording session of, uh, of The Deuce. So we'll be watching episodes five through eight today and recording the, the podcast for those. Uh, but in terms of when you're watching, uh, the first episode aired uh, one, one week, week ago, ago today. Today, so we'll again we'll per- be perpetually behind the conversation <laughs> that may be happening around these episodes. Just enjoying our little pre-relief bubble, and I think that's fine. But yeah, that's okay. Uh, yeah. So today, actually, on the day we are recording, is the day the second episode premieres. I correct. believe correct this yep. evening. Um, and so reaction to the first episode was pretty positive. Yeah. I mean, generally kind of where we were at. Yeah. You know, like if you know what you're going into with the Simon Pelicano show, you know that. Yep. Right. Okay. So no kid got pushed out of a window, which was like super exciting thing at the end of Game of Thrones episode one, <laughs> right. but it's a different show. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, reaction seemed to be generally good. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody loved uh, was Dominique Fishback? Mm-hmm. Is that how you said it? Right, yep. the woman who played yep. Darlene. Right, yep. that was the thing that we both I've came seen, away with. I've seen quite a bit of of love for her on the social media, uh, yep. which is nice. Yep. Yeah. <clears throat> there were some like dumb comments about Franco playing twins from people who obviously didn't actually watch the shit, which yeah. is. I, like I want to be upset about, but it's precisely how I felt until I talked myself <laughs> out of it. Had you not, you know? had you not taken the eighty-four minutes to view it yourself? Yeah, sure. but basically, you know, I, I mean, I didn't think there were really any surprises as far yeah. as the kind of reaction to the opening goes. Right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. You know, there was the occasional sort of indifferent uh, review here and there, but most of what I read was pretty positive and pretty exciting. And also, most of the I didn't have a chance because I was in Toronto at the Toronto International Film Festival. I didn't get a chance to read much in the way of um, recaps of of the first episode. Most of what I read were the sort of uh, advanced reviews of mm-hmm. the season by clearly like critics who like we had had access to the entire run and were sort of viewing it as a complete work. Mm-hmm. Um, and all seemed very, very uh, pleased with with uh, with what it was. Good. So yeah. yeah, that's a, that's another like that's one thing about hanging out with Jason is the last time we did this was like two weeks ago. Right. And you've seen sixty movies since right. then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you're like that's you know the true. way you consume and make connections between different things is one of those like you know nobody can keep up. So you know my brain hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, all right, so we just watched episode five. So uh, is there anything that we missed in the first four, 
four episodes? Is there any oh, reflections well, fuck. you want we, to come back we, to? I did want to mention and apologize to everyone for using the wrong name <laughs> of a major character, because fuck me. Um, the IMDb page was not quite up to speed when we were recording those episodes, and I swear to God I'm, I heard her name as Gloria. I, I heard swear it every time. I heard it more than once as Gloria, but her name is Lori, okay. as we know now, as <laughs> okay. as is as it is used uh, in my weekly recaps of the show for FlavorWire.com. Uh, so apologize for all of you who spent the last four episodes screaming at your MP3 player or phone or computer. <laughs> it's not Gloria. We we were sorry. We're Gloria sorry. contains Lori. Does that? It help does. At all? It does. Maybe Lori is short for Gloria. Hey, there you go. We were just referring to go. her by her full and proper name. There you go. That's the only thing I had to add about the first four. They stuck with me. I you know I there were a couple of because it's been a couple of weeks since mm-hmm. we watched episode four. There were a couple of things in five that I had to like sort of remind myself oh right that happened at the end of the last one uh which is stuff we'll talk about but for the most part yeah it's um uh it's chugging along quite nicely um should we start by talking about the personnel on this episode let's do it that's a, a really interesting note on episode this five. is this is um so the story is by richard price no surprise right. um but you know we always do the thing where like when the writer and director credit comes up i jot it down and then we go look at imdb afterwards if their names we don't know right we didn't have to imdb ernest dickerson or, or richard <laughs> right. price right. but we you know some of the others we we make sure to, that we run and look up and the thing that has been really striking and we mentioned this in one of the previous episodes is the idea that there really is like a meritocracy happening mm-hmm. in Simon's mm-hmm. group. And I believe it's Blown Deadline Productions is the name of his company. But and that, I think you can call it a crew. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But there, there's there's a consistent group of people that you see him working with on show after show. But it's not just that. There's a consistent group of people who you see getting more responsibility and opportunity. Mm-hmm increasing mm-hmm. on show after show and all three of the writer director credits on this episode uh are proof positive of that the director of this one is uh, oh i'm gonna mangle this name uda bracewitz sorry um who is most of her credits are as a cinematographer okay um she uh shot 23 episodes of The Wire, if I'm reading her her IMDb page correctly. Um, also shot a good number of, of fine films. Uh, Next Stop Wonderland, which is one of my sort of favorite little-known uh, 90s rom-com things. And uh, a great, really atmospheric horror movie called Session 9 by the same director. She's shot some things for Jake Kasdan, including Walk Hard and uh, the TV set. Um, and then most of her director credits thus far are, are television. Um, she did, uh, some episodes of Awkward and Jane the Virgin and the Orange is the New Black. She's directed four episodes of that. But you know, the fact that this is someone who was like a DP on The Wire Mm -hmm. and is now directing episodes of The Deuce is great. Also, always big thumbs up for putting some women in the director's chair, especially on a show where the gender issues are as tricky as they are on this one. Which they've done now... A couple times. A couple times, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the, I think I saw f- half of the first season was directed by... First season episodes were directed by women. And then they also talked about the production crew generally. Yes, being very... <laughs> being female-heavy. Female-centric, yeah. And, and, and McLaren directed the first episode, exactly. which is always such a such a sort of place setter. Right. Um, the two writers are also familiar 
uh, to the crew. Chris Yak. I'm just gonna mess up every name. Yeah, but you're gonna try. Chris Yakitis. <laughs> I'm gonna go with that. Okay. Chris started out as a researcher on the wire um, for the 2008 season, uh, the final season. Mm-hmm. Um, was script coordinator for the entire run of Treme. Okay. And for the entire run of the miniseries of Show Me a Hero, uh, got his first writing credit on Treme, wrote one episode of that, and is now a staff writer on The Deuce and uh, has this, uh, and this is his first credit as a writer, like credited for the episode. Mm -hmm. Um, His collaborator on it is an even more interesting story, co-written by Will Ralston. Will... Uh, was a sound editor uh, and Foley editor and has all of these feature credits on, you know, things like, you know, Coen Brothers movies and Ride with the Devil and Bringing Out the Dead, the Scorsese movie set in Which Times Square in the 90s. Fucking yeah. great. Big time uh, ADR Foley supervising dialogue editor credits. Then was the super supervising sound editor on, I believe, the entire run of The Wire. Okay. Supervising ADR editor on Generation Kill. Supervising sound editor on Treme. And is the su- uh, supervising sound editor on Show Me a Hero. And is credited uh, as supervising sound editor on The Deuce. Okay. But in addition to The Deuce, uh, is also co-writer of this episode. That's Will. <clears throat> now... What we had to do a little investigation on was most of Will's other credits are under the name Jennifer. And that's because Will transitioned late last year. And there's an amazing um, personal essay that we found about uh, Will becoming a man uh, for after 40 years of, of living uh, not as who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, it's very cool. And so... That's who Will is. Uh, but again, someone else who worked their way up from, like, I, I feel like if you look in, in, the, in the entire medium of film or television, you're mm-hmm. not going to find a lot of people who made the transition from Foley editor right, right. to screenwriter. Right, right, Like, right. that's a big jump. Well, and people don't want you to be able to make moves outside of the thing they know you about exactly they know you for like exactly. that's one thing kind of within i guess in the industry but definitely within this one if somebody yeah. meets you and you do this thing that's the thing that's you the do, thing you do and in the in their phone they have your name next to the little thing that you do and yeah. it's very hard to convince anyone that you can do things outside of that thing you yeah. know and i think that that um they're clearly open to the idea that someone could, I don't know, maybe start as a newspaper reporter yes. and end up as a showrunner, <laughs> right? Yes. Maybe these mo- maybe these things are contained yes. within or one novelists person. say could right. be a, sh- you know, a showrunner. Yeah, maybe maybe more than one thing is contained yeah. within one that's, person. That's right? a fine, fine. And whether point. we're talking about your gender identity or mm-hmm. your profession, mm-hmm. they are clearly open to this possibility. Yeah. and that's just. Fucking lovely to see. And yeah. Lovely to see people have those opportunities. Yeah. Lovely to see them taking advantage of it. You pointed out today, um, who's uh, playing, what's the uh, what's the character name? Reggie Love. <laughs> Thank you. You pointed out today who's playing Reggie Love, you know, and like, and Method Man today in, in, in episode five. Brought it. You know, Method Man is like kind of a joke actor. Right when you see him in things, he's usually like like because, in things like how high and stuff like that. Because he's not yeah. afraid to do that right. in right. a way, right? Yeah. And 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 he kind of has that. But today, 
The Method scene Man was with, more than a haircut and a suit today, right? The scene with him and Candy, that's like that's some that's an intense piece of acting for both of them, but also in the kind of acting where he has to be there for her to go where she has to go in that scene. This is not he's not playing with somebody who doesn't know what she's doing. Like, yeah. You're playing with a real actor in a yeah. very real scene. Yeah. You know, and you got to be able to live up to that. I mean, yeah. that's one thing that not everybody can live up to that. You yeah. Know? And maybe, I mean, I feel like they've got to know that that scene's going to happen when they start his character, mm-hmm. when they cast him. They got to know right? he can like, handle it. They didn't that. Yeah. write that like, yeah. oh, maybe we'll just have Larry do this part. No, yeah. because Meth has been pushing up on her from episode one. From episode one, right? Right. So like that's a part of it, and you to be able to to have the faith in him mm-hmm. to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean that like anyway. I want to work for these guys. Apparently. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, I yeah. theoretically knew that, but it's yeah. really coming out right now. Yeah. Um, and you know, and starting with candy is as good a place as any, but just one little tiny footnote I wanted to add to the thing we just finished talking about was bearing in mind Will's history, that little throwaway line, I think in episode three mm-hmm. about Dora likes to be called. She Yep. is suddenly like, Oh, okay. Bing. Okay. Good. Well, and this is one of those things Good. where where it's not unreasonable to think that people are being consulted on episodes they're not writing. Of course, you know, right when they have you know specific when okay, they have those so resources, when yeah, they have yeah, those yeah. resources, yeah. and it also suggests that this may be you know because we've already heard mention of Stonewall mm-hmm. uh, and the riots at Stonewall, and we know that the riots at Stonewall in a lot of ways were led by black trans yep. women, right, and so. It's not impossible, the idea that that, that is going to come up. Yeah. You know, in the same way that we were talking about having a gay character who, you know, maybe not everybody was aware of that stuff at the time, but this is a character who is aware of that stuff right. at the time. Right. right. So you can work it in legitimately and in another way deal with things that we're still working with now. Yeah. And the fact of the matter being that Stonewall was only a couple of years in the rear view at this point. Mm-hmm. And the thing that this episode got into very explicitly of the idea that you could just get arrested for being a gay person in public. Right. Um, the idea that we see a, a bust at a gay porno house, mm-hmm. but we saw a scene earlier in a straight porno house and nobody got busted there. Right. We've seen a couple of right. scenes there, you know, but this is the sort of different set of rules. Um, a lot of Paul in this episode, it, I, I like how... I like how his character is is becoming more a part of the fabric of the show, mm-hmm. and how uh, it's almost it's almost in a weird way like the he is being he's his perspective is becoming a part of the show at the same pace it's becoming a part of like a Vinny's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But just like he's there with little pipe ups and he's there. To, to be at the receiving end of their ignorance a and just lot of... <laughs> and to be a good sport about None it. Of holes. <laughs> yeah. And he's a good sport, but he's also like not a, not a pushover. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a really interesting dynamic happening with him and his his quote unquote roommate, mm-hmm. um, which uh, feels pretty rich, um, and I think we're, we're going to get more of. Um, so, Candy, we talked about last time. <laughs> It's funny now, in retrospect, uh-huh. Uh-huh. how we were like, "Well, can't get any worse for her. Uh-huh. She'll be back to porn. She'll be back in the porn world soon." Because I don't see how this gets any bleaker. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. 
And yeah. And it did. It sure did. Uh, there's only one way it can. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, and I kept like, and it's such a weird moment too to be like, almost hopeful that this is a replay of the Darlene situation. You know, where like this is kind of their, this is, she knows this is his thing or regular right. or whatever. And that moment when you realize it's not, this is not that. Yeah. This is not that. Yeah. Um, something that I think is also key about that scene, and then we'll talk about Candy sort of in a broader sense, um, is when you mentioned this in a previous podcast, the, how the sort of awareness that you feel like Simon and crew have to have about the conversations that have swirled around sexual violence in Game of Thrones mm -hmm. and how carefully they are, they will show us the beginning of a scene, mm -hmm. but show us as little of it as possible. Mm -hmm. the, 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 the carefully timed edit um, in that Darlene scene in that, I believe it was the first or second episode. I think mm -hmm. it was the first. Um, also then in this episode, the fact that she makes it to the door, the door closes and we stay on the outside of the door. Mm -hmm. That they're not lingering on the explicit violence. Now we're hearing it and there's that artful pull away and what we're imagining is terrible and confirmed by when we see her afterwards. But that that it but it would not be honest for that not to be a part of what's happening in this world. Uh, do we lose anything by not seeing it? No. Because I I don't think so. I don't know. You tell me. Well, okay. Because this is part of the conversation around Game of Thrones, which I feel com I know you don't watch it, but I feel comfortable talking about. I've it heard enough. A lot that. of people yeah. do, and even yeah. if you don't, you're familiar with a lot of the things, the issues, and stuff. To me, there was a lot of sexual and otherwise violence within that that show that nobody cared about until they raped this like really pretty fifteen year old <laughs> white girl with red hair down to her waist. Right. That everybody really you know had right. their affections for, sure. and now all of a sudden everybody is very upset. A dude got his dick cut off, and everybody was kind of like, "What?" Oh, right? <laughs> but then they and and this is another thing they did exactly what you're talking about in that scene mm. where you see him like it's pretty fucking clear what's about to happen right. but we don't actually see it we uh, pan away to the bed we hear a little something and right. then we cut what presumably took hours mm -hmm. what we kind of find out later right, right? And that was the thing that made everybody upset. And all in all, the actualized sexual violence we had seen before because it didn't happen to that character. Mm -hmm. And this is something that is starting to come out for me uh, that I talked about actually in the, the intro episode, the little preview episode that I did, um, where I talked about how like the unrelenting humanity that they granted to Bubbles. And we mm -hmm. talked about this a little in the first episode too, right? right? Who is a homeless heroin addict who is a beggar at times, who's not really a thief, but, like, occupies many of our bottom social rungs, sure. right? And yet remained the, you know, the anchor of that movie, or that, sh that show in many emotional ways because of how unrelenting they were about presenting his humanity. So if they're going to show sex workers, we can presume right. that they are going to do the same, right? And, and so that is a weird way of equating being a sex worker with being a homeless drug addict, which is not exactly what I mean right. in terms of a lifestyle. What sure. I mean is in terms of the way they are represented and in treated in yeah. our entertainment and our sure. culture, right? Now, what I hadn't worked out at the time, 
but I have come to because I sp- this woman that a, a sex worker that I'm going to be interviewing for the show mm-hmm. said it to me. Is I didn't come up with it on <laughs> my own. That's how it came to you. This yeah, is how it came to me. That's how you she arrived said there it to me? Right. You know, <laughs> a person taught me this. Yeah. Um, that that they are shown what that what links them is that they are shown to deserve the bad things that right. happen to them. Right. That's the thing. Right. That connects those characters. Right. They deserve it. They earned it. Right. There's no indication in this show that Candy didn't deserve it. Okay. We care about her. Sure. Right? Sure. And and we are concerned with her. Sure. But what about her life suggests that she didn't... That that's not just a part of the trade. And in fact, when we see her talking to Met... To, I gotta figure... I gotta remember Method Man's character name. <laughs> Is it, it's Rodney, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Rodney. I'm sorry. Okay. I've just been calling him Method Man since sure. like 1992. I don't know. Sure. Anyway... Uh, you know, when we see Rodney come and talk to her, mm-hmm. you know, he doesn't say to her, you don't deserve this. Right. He reminds her of all the times it's happened. Right. Talks about when her arm was in a cast. Right. Right. And then just says, I will offer retribution. Right. He's, this is not about who she is or how this is. It is known to both of them that this is just how it fucking works. Right. Right. And and I, you know, I don't know how you represent these things, which, as you pointed out, are true. Mm -hmm. You can't leave them out. Sure. How do you represent these things without and not deal with that? Because that is not just a thing that's present in the movies. Right. Most of the time when you wreck a car, it doesn't blow up. That's just in the movies. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Sure. But this this perspective on what they deserve mm-hmm. or what, however else you want to say it is a social perspective. It is not just limited to entertainment. Right. So how do you counter that? Mm-hmm. How you counter, um, Oh, I'm not a fake. Cause there's not enough holes is by having a homosexual character and seeing his life yeah. and hearing his concerns yeah. and watching him, that's how you counter that perspective. So you provide the perspective, but then you counter it, right? right? I'm not sure how you counter this perspective that very few people are even aware they carry around, <laughs> right? Yeah. And this is something that, like, I want this show to... I want Simon and Pelic, I want them to answer this for me. Uh-huh. And they haven't yet. Okay. And I'm kind of holding it against them, especially now that we see this, this very dramatic example mm-hmm. of her being punished. Mm-hmm. Right for her for what she's offering, mm-hmm. and I don't know that that's on them, but hmm. that's how I'm feeling about it right now. Hmm. You know what I mean? And that's like that's what I meant about this being heavy mid-season television. Yeah, you know, like there is a lot contained there, and I don't know what to do with it. And maybe the reason is because neither don't they, neither do they, and maybe the reason is because none of us do. Yeah. <clears throat> uh... I, you don't necessarily need okay. to go anywhere with that, okay? Because <laughs> I don't know that there's anywhere to go with it, okay? But it's you know how I don't like, but you. So you no longer think that complex that complex humanity is a counter to that. That the kind that that the portraiture of all of this person that of, of of all that this person's life is mm. in terms of hopes, dreams, desires, child mean mother da 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 that that is not that you don't consider that to be a counter to 
the notion to, to a sort of societal notion that she deserves victimhood. Do you? Okay, I guess the question is, in this case, then I guess we defer to her. She gets to decide whether or not she deserves this. <laughs> I guess. Right? Okay. As okay. a character. Sure. And when we hear Rodney repeating to her over and over and over how many times this has happened, just by the fact that we see her putting on makeup and the detail in that, oh my God, right. dude, with right. the broken face yeah, and trying to put on makeup and the makeup is a mess and yeah. it's all over the place. And I mean, that is some HD TV right, right. there. Like that, you know, <laughs> that shot yeah. is not the same in the technology that built LA law. You right. know what I mean? Like yeah. you get up in there, right? Right. And, and so... How does she, I mean, I get, I know, I'm not to say that she feels she deserves it, mm -hmm. but I guess maybe she feels there's no better option. I don't know what, you right. know what I mean? Like, well, how do we, like, I'm not, I don't see her necessarily, uh, maybe she just can't see another way out of, this is, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <sighs> I mean, I think that the most that you can do is show all of those other parts of her life mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and then i i guess that's you know it's just one of those things it's just death and taxes or however you want to say it like there's just certain things that we just can't get away with mm -hmm. you know away from and that's part of why art is valuable is that you see the dozens of ways that different people deal with the same things that we all feel yeah you know um she's clearly tired of it yeah you know what I'm interested. I guess I guess the way you kind of redeem it is you see her make this change into the the, the movie business, mm -hmm. and it's not and and it lives in her in some way as more than just a pure motivation to get off the street. Right. Maybe that's what it is. Right. You know. Okay. <sighs> I don't know. God. And like, we just watched a TV show. Right. I'll right. Remind right. you, but it is yeah. not ever about that. Right. right. Like it's always about. I mean, that's what yeah. makes it interesting. Yeah. So I just, she's got me feeling the feels and thinking the things, I guess. I don't know. The thing that I think is, uh, is, is really interesting. We're just going to end up doing an episode about candy and that's fine. Um, <laughs> I think this one is I fine. I think it's fine. Um, the, uh, what I, I was really struck by, she had two really important scenes in this episode. Mm -hmm. And one is the sex scene with the, the maybe boyfriend mm -hmm. whose name I've already forgotten. Um, and then the other one is the scene we touched on before with her and Rodney. Um, the thing that I was really struck by initially in the scene with the boyfriend, we're just going to call him the boyfriend, but, and, and that'll be easier. I know mm -hmm. that it's not a, okay. They're not Facebook official or whatever, <laughs> but um, the framing of that sex scene carefully chosen mirrors the framing of the sex scene at, earlier in the episode, the quickie with the yes. soldier guy. Yes. Like the fact that it is, it is set up in the same way and presented to us in the same way initially. Yes. Is very deliberate and really interesting. And then he comes and then he asks if she came and that is not, that is where it's a different scene now. Right. Because that's not a question she has ever asked, we, we can safely presume. We certainly haven't seen it. Nope. <laughs> right. Um, and, yeah, and, and certainly, I mean, I think 
and the the era being what it was, it was much less of a topic of conversation in general. Mm-hmm. And so he can't get her there, though. So she finishes herself off, like thoroughly. Mm-hmm. But she has to do it with her back to him. Okay, why? <clears throat> well, uh, because it's an act when she does it usually. Mm. And this was she wasn't going to fake this one, right? And that's uncomfortable. That's personal. That's personal. Oh, that's such a better word. That's did we see them kissing? Not in this episode, but we did at the end of like their sloppy drunk first date. But it's it's similar to kissing. Yeah, it's personal. Yeah, Yeah. like it's private. It's a thing that she usually does in private. Yeah. And suddenly there's someone else there when she's doing this thing she usually does in private. And that's not, and that's uncomfortable. She's, she's not comfortable doing that in front of another person. With everything she's comfortable doing. Yeah. In front of another person, including faking. Yeah. Which we see her faking that act. Yes. In a later scene, she's comfortable acting. Oh, it, totally. But not doing it. Nope. <clears throat> I just, I think it's, it's fascinating. There was a, there's a whole there was a whole conversation around the golden age of porn, which who knows if we'll even get to this season. <laughs> but there was a whole conversation, and I can't even. I, someone like I, I've heard more than one smarter person than I say this, so forgive me for badly paraphrasing it. But what was exciting about the great '70s porn movies that Bradley Metzger made, or that Roberta Finlay made, or that you know the, some of the names that you sort of hear bandied about what was exciting about them was that they were not porn movies where there was a plot and then the plot stopped and people fucked for 10 minutes and then there was more plot. Like these were filmmakers who were in a really interesting way experimenting with the idea of not just people fucking, but characters fucking. Right. That the sex scenes were a continuation of conflicts, themes, preoccupations that were happening in the scenes between the sex scenes. Right. That it was an organic whole in a way that we never think of pornography as being. And and, and in some ways, those things were were almost even silly. Like, your clitoris is in the back of your throat. Right. But, But, like, that conceit is then used to explore... Yeah. The lack of attention to women's pleasure and sexuality. Yeah. But when and when you watch something like The Private and- Afternoons of Pamela Mann, which was the first Henry, Henry Paris movie, like that's a real story, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Naked Came the Stranger is a real story. Uh, and they're and they're uh, and opening a Misty Beethoven is a real story and they're all about women who are in one way or another exploring sexual identity slash independence. Mm-hmm. And so all of those sex scenes accumulate to something. Right. And, and I mean, it's just a long way of getting around to saying that that's the kind of sex scene that Candy and the Boyfriend is. Right. That it's, it's explicit. <laughs> it's not as explicit as a Radley Metzger, Henry Paris movie, but it is explicit. And it is about sex as a continuation 
of a character's personality and mm-hmm. life. And when you're watching that scene, you know, you maybe have that moment. There's a great Steven Soderbergh quote um, when he made out of sight that he said, um, anytime you're watching a movie and then the actor gets naked, suddenly it's a documentary about that actor getting naked. Um, <laughs> and I think of that often. And I feel like sometimes it is that. Like you at least have that moment where it's like, oh, there's Maggie Gyllenhaal naked. But it's a moment because suddenly it's about Candy having an orgasm. And like in a great way, that's what the great 70s porno movies were doing too. Right. And the difference is having some sense of what, of, of having your own perspective on what's going on in their head. Yeah. Is the difference. Because what is a more intense psychological act than sexual intimacy? Right. But so often... Maybe jerking off in front of somebody. Maybe. Maybe. Is the like... <laughs> but so often in explicit filmmaking, there's nothing psychological about it. It's purely performative. Right. It's purely, now it's time for this combination of people in the movie to fuck. Right, right, right. Anyway, this scene reminded me of those. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a scene in, I want to say, Naked Came the Stranger, where... The, uh, the, the, the heroine stumbles upon her husband and like one of their employees because they host a radio show together, like ha- fucking like ha- they're having an affair and she finds it and is and, and like goes through this whole range of emotions where she's like shocked and then she's like turned on and then mm-hmm. she like jerks off mm-hmm. while she like you know and it becomes this whole scene about infidelity and voyeurism and taking control of those feelings of of insecurity and fear and it's intense yeah. but it's also like a really hot sex scene and like it can be both of those things right 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 okay right and it, well, and for this one, I kind of went a, a field there, and I apologize, but this is like that's the frame of mind that it but put me in. There's no, there is. It's it's hard for me to imagine that this isn't a conversation that's happening, right? You know, among the people who are making this show, sure, right? About how movies were made, about what they were doing, about who these people were, mm-hmm. you know. And like I've been reading Sleazoid, what is it, Sleazoid Express, you right. know, and you're talking about other Hollywood and these things. And and you know, there's no way that these those things those those these this is those things were made out of this soup. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, and there's no way that these that the people making the show aren't talking about this stuff and consciously using it. Yeah. You know, and and I think that we, you know, that to the extent that that we see exploration of those themes now yeah in our entertainment it is informed by those movies yeah those movies like set a touchstone that if you really want to get into this stuff and think about it seriously you're you need to grapple with them and what's going to happen when you do that is you end up tossing away the stuff that is kind of clearly performative like you said you know not necessarily like tossing it even consciously but what sticks right is the stuff that right is the stuff that held and i don't it's i think it's pretty clear that we can see that in the show too yeah so you mentioned that soup and then i just thought of uh uh potato was it potato soup (laughs) yes it was okay yes it was (laughs) and then the other key scene for candy uh is uh that rodney scene that we talked about um you mentioned you there's this great thing with the handkerchief. The handkerchief. Ooh. It, what, the way that she leans into it. Yeah. And takes comfort in it. Yeah. Just for a moment. Yeah. Like, there's so much in this Holy scene. Shit. 
there's so much in the scene well, that is about the psychology of the pimp prostitute relationship. Mm-hmm. Like, and in a way that like, it's, it's not a, uh, apologizing for it or rationalizing it, but so often the question is explicitly raised in dialogue on this show. She, Abby How can Reggie, you, yeah. What do you do? How can you, or, or I think ask Darlene, what, how can you be in that relationship? Like the, it's, it's a question that's asked explicitly on the show. It's a question that's raised often in the conversation about this work. Mm-hmm. And to have a scene that addresses it so magnificently that like, no, obviously it, it's an evil exploitative relationship. It's a, you know, but to understand what would make someone who's aware of that still seek it mm-hmm. or at least contemplate it mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. a way that we've never seen her contemplate before. But the emotional roller coaster of that scene of how close she comes to just nodding her head, mm-hmm. you know, and then like, and then has to like, <clears throat> has to cry about it and then has to like put on her brave face and walk away. But the tears are still like cracking through a little bit and has to like go full on mean to, 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 to stop a conversation that could go another way. If she doesn't put up that barrier. Mm-hmm. Fuck, that's good. Well, you know, there's acting, and then there's acting that involves crying believably. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other thing <laughs> where you laugh and cry believably Holy at the same shit. time. Yeah. And that is, I don't know, there's, acting is not the big enough word for it. That yeah. needs its own word. No, you're right. You know. You're right. That and is rocket science compared to, yeah. you know, firecrackers. Like, yeah. <clears throat> And I try never to, to frame art through an awards prism, but I, I know enough about how these things work to say that that'll be the clip they send to the Emmy people. <laughs> right. like, or this will be the episode or whatever, however specifically that works. But like that, when she gets the nomination mm-hmm. <laughs> at mm-hmm. next year's Emmys, <laughs> they'll show you a clip from that scene during the show. Right. You know, right. that's, it's just, it's, it's a tremendous piece of work. And, that, you know, that may be one thing where they are giving me the answers that I'm asking for. Mm. They're just not giving it to me in dialogue. Right. And I'm just being a fucking Neanderthal. <laughs> being like, say the words, you yeah. know. But they're yeah. giving me so much there, right? Like, yeah. And, and even you could argue that, that one of the things they're giving me there is her grappling with the fact that she's not sure whether or not she deserves it. Or right. whether or not this, you know what I mean? Th- that yeah. is her dealing with that. Yeah. Um, you know, she's not standing out there fucking crying because her eye hurts. Right. <laughs> right? Like, yep. she put the makeup on. Yep. She's dealt with the physical pain. Yep. That's not what that's about. Yep. You know, and then when you see her, I, I found it interesting too, her scene with um, with the porn producer. Mm-hmm. The guy who doesn't have film in his camera, right? Yeah. Um, so good that he wears the mustache, yeah, open collar, yeah, gold chain, hairy chest, yeah. yeah. He that in that scene, if you remember the scene they had in the diner, mm-hmm. she was very like entrepreneurial, and like, yeah, come yeah. on, what the fuck? This is gonna be great, it'll be awesome. Yeah, what yeah, am yeah. I doing? Fucking, uh, fucking anyway, like, point right. a camera, you know what right. I mean, right? And in this scene, she was much more subdued, yeah, and the conversation she's having with him is. You know, mm-hmm. 
uh, there's just a lot less optimism and fire in it. Right. You know, and so again, here we see her dealing with this thing that I'm complaining about her not dealing with. Well, and I and it's also going to be interesting to see if sort of getting back into that world, uh, <laughs> as sort of disgusting as it is, but if that's going to sort of relight that fire for her. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I guess we'll have to find out in the next episode. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Is there anything else we need to talk about? Not really. There's a bunch of other shit in this episode, but we'll talk about if it if it becomes important, we'll talk about it later. Well, you know, <laughs> right. I mean, Vinny moves in, you know, the whole thing with Vinny is moving right along. Massage you know. parlor's the next step, baby. Yep, more or less as we would expect. All yep. that stuff is fine. You know, he has a little bit of resistance to it, but not that much. Mm-hmm. Um, I did have a, we should mention that I had a moment where um, I, I just, because of the way he was carrying himself when he went on the tour of the facility, um, with, uh, Rudy, where I, for a moment I thought, wait, is this Frankie pretending to be Vinny? Yes. And yes. it wasn't, but then I'm like, oh, I wonder when that's going to happen. But that was a great, yeah, that's I a wonder great when point. that's, I wonder when, like, Vinny's legitimately not going to want to do something that Frankie wants him to do, so Frankie's going to pretend to be him. I think that's a very solid <coughs> solid point. Another thing is, you know, when we talked about this earlier, uh, when we talked about I, I said that I didn't really see how... Uh, I'm not going to call him Jackie Aprile. What's his name? <laughs> <laughs> Rudy. Thank you, Rudy. I did not... I, like... To me, Rudy didn't really seem like the porn character. I yeah. don't know. Like, he didn't really seem like the guy that was going to do that, right? Yeah. And you were like, no, I'm pretty sure that's where that's going to go. <laughs> and then I went and read your 10 Things I Hope They Get To right. article, or I'm not sure how you phrased it, mm-hmm. but it was 10 Things You Hope They... from That really were going on in yeah, that world. almost entirely from the other Hollywood. Right, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and that you're hoping to see come real, come, yeah. you know, and we'll, we'll post that. We should post that in every episode. <laughs> it's a really great article. Oh, thank you. It was really good, dude. Thank really you. good. One of the things you talked about is just how much goddamn money they were making. Yeah. Off of the porn movies at the time. And by money they were making at that point, we don't mean swiping credit cards. We mean bags and trash bags of cash. cash. In the way that you think like from, you know, blow and like you think of like Pablo Escobar and cocaine dealers and shit. Yeah, no, they, the, the, the direct quote from the book from the FBI guy was that his informant told him there's so much money we can't count it. We're just weighing it. (laughs) Okay. So, so I'm. And that's a, I mean, that's, and that's deep throat money, which is a year away from the timeline we're in now. Like deep throat came out in 72. Right. We're in 71. I mean, we may not, we may be in 72 by now. We haven't mm-hmm. seen the big, like, New Year's party scene or anything no, like that. No, well, they, but, they, but no, that they mentioned, that they mentioned their movie choices were Straw Dogs and, fuck, I meant to write it down, but it was another <laughs> 1971 release. Okay, so, they, so they, presumably they, we're still they, in 71. We're still in 71, yes. Okay. Yeah. So, but if Deep Throat came out in 72. Yeah. They're making it in 71. No. No. That's, that's, uh, <laughs> right. They did not have quite the same... Quick turnaround. Turn, there was a those. quick turnaround right. industry. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, but but fact, still... If it came out in February 72, there's a decent chance they made it in 72. <laughs> okay. But, but, but that, it's right around the corner. It's the right point. around the yeah. corner. And like I'm reading that 
you know, the idea that there's that they have to weigh the money because there's so much. That's that's the thing that Rudy. Okay, so mm. then now we've got the massage parlor. Yeah, I you know I read that article and I was like, oh, all that shit I said about Rudy was totally wrong. <laughs> I was absolutely wrong about all of that, and he's definitely going to be in the porn business. Well, there you go. You know, so I think once we're leading into the massage parlor, I think we. It's can the next see step. How we get there is not that complicated. Yep. So. Yep. All right. Very good. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, God, I feel like we must be leaving something out, but I don't really know. Like nothing really. You're right. Like if any of it really comes up, it's all. There was a lot of stuff in this episode that was sort of like leading us to next steps. You know. So we'll talk about the next step. Well, and this is you know proper mid season. Yep. Simon and Pelicanos. Like this is how they do it. Yep. You know. So. All right, this has been a very candy-heavy episode uh, of the Deuce Rethread, but I think that's fair. Yep. I think she earned it. Yep. Right? Yep. All she, right. She, you might even say she deserved it. <laughs> On that note, no. <laughs> we're going to wrap this up. Thank you very much for joining us. Check us out at dvrpodcast.com to see some of the other shows that we're covering, and come back next week for more Deuce Rethread. Talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Deuce on the DVR Podcast Network. You can check us out at dvrpodcast.com or on Twitter at dvrpodcast. You can email Mike and Jason at thedeucedvr at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at thedeucedvr.